1: Are we starting? Did I get a green light? Was that the music? Yep. What's going on, everybody? (laughs) Welcome to the show. Welcome to Schmodown Backstage. Uh, We're we're back. It's Tuesday. I hope you enjoyed that cue, getting the show started. You know, it's a fly-by-the-seat-of-our-pants kind of day today. And uh, we are excited to be here with you guys, talking to you about all the cool stuff that's going on in the movie trivia Schmodown. We've got a huge announcement from one of the legends of the game that happened this week. We're going to be talking about that. We have the head question writer, PJ Campbell, coming on the show today. We're going to be talking to him about the methodology behind uh, the increase in difficulty we've seen in the questions this season. A lot of you guys know and have heard on various shows people talk about that as tournament season started, it kind of seemed like the questions got a little deeper, and uh, we want to figure out how that happens. As a lot of you know, I do a show called Root of the Question over on Action Industries. We talk about this stuff. We speculate on this stuff. We don't really get to have PJ on to ask our questions very often, so this should be a fun time getting to you know, kind of ask about his approach and maybe even possibly some previews that will go into next season. Cause as we all know the wheel and the categories and the way things go update year after year, uh, though, who knows what he'll be able to share with us. You know, he is uh, one of the most important minds in the movie, Trivia And I'm joined today by Ben Goddard. I can't even compliment his hair today cause he's got a hat on.
2: Got a hat on uh, too lazy, uh, rolled out of bed right before SCN didn't have time in between the shows. So you guys get backwards hat here. I'll, I'll put it forwards. Cause that's, you know, more professional. See, look, see what I'm dealing with today. It's pretty wild up there without it, but, yeah. Let's talk about this big Roka retirement announcement.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty big one, man. I got to say, you know, as somebody who uh, has been in the game for a long time and and uh, you know, obviously has a- adapted and learned a lot of different things from the other the other greats that the game has shown, it's mm. hard to deny the impact that Roka has had on the movie trivia Shmodown. I saw today on the uh the Facebook page, people were asking when you think of shmoedown, you know, what's the first thing you think of? And I got to say a lot of the comments were just John Roca.
2: Yeah. Like he, he was the first guy to really do a character. You know, the big cowboy hat is almost synonymous. You know, his whole channel is called the Outlaw Nation. Like, you know, it's it's based on his Schmodown character. So he he is a staple of this game. And he's been, and that's the thing is that it's, he's not, he's always been relevant as a player as well. He's not just a character. He's not just some, like he was always a force to be reckoned with. And someone you always kind of dreaded going up against. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's one of these guys who, uh,
1: you know, no line is, is too, uh, no no line is uncrossable to the outlaw. You know, he will always (laughs) bring something you don't expect into a match, into a promo. Mm. Uh, He's all fire and brimstone. That's just kind of the way he plays the game. And uh, love it or hate it, it's just, it's, it's become John the Roca outlaw. It's what people get. And it's a guy that's won four titles. And so the announcement comes, I think, as a bit of a, I mean, to me, it was a bit of a surprise that it came in September uh, and it came on his personal channel. Yes. Both things were a little strange to me because I think the idea of building hype for uh, the Schmodown Spectacular, you would think that that would happen in a Schmodown – place uh, whether whether on you know the big thing at least that related to down or maybe scn live or backstage or somewhere uh, but you know the man wanted to do it on his own channel obviously he wanted to speak to his followers the people that support him and i respect that i understand that so uh it's kind of a ticking time bomb retirement it was it was the, the announcement started with i'm retiring and ended with uh i will have one more match at spectacular and i will have done, i will have my match so he didn't specify against who what did you think about his announcement
2: I enjoyed it. You know, like uh, it, it's John, he's going to bring the theatrics. He's going to do it on his terms as well. And so doing it on his channel made a lot of sense. And, you know, of course, like he's, he's, he wants to retire on his terms. He wants a match at the biggest stage in the showdown at the end of the year in front of a live audience. And I don't know who it's going to be against, but I wouldn't be surprised if he just tells Christian, like I get the hand pick. Like I, and, and you, but that's the thing about John, like, you know, he's not going to pick, you know, some, you know, O and O rookie. He's not going to pick an unknown. He wants to go up against, you know, possibly the best. Is it going to be Dan again? Is he going to face against Jeff? Is he, is he going to bring Jeff Snyder out of retirement and face Jeff Snyder? Is he going to face Bibbs again? He's not going to, he's not going to, you know, play against someone that he doesn't think is worthy of his playtime at Spectacular. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I saw some people speculating in the various chats who they thought he was going to pick and who he would demand to play against. It's true.
1: It's an interesting list. If you think about all the different people that John has gone up against and had rivalries with over the years, you know, on some level, you'd think it was may- maybe it would be Dan Merle. But then again, Dan Merle is in uh, the tournament right now. And, yeah. uh, and you know, so Dan Merle, who knows, Dan Merle could be at the spectacular playing for the title. We don't know where that's going to go. We know that obviously we never got Roca Mance three. That's kind of a softer match, but it is still a legendary one. Um, he lost Adam Collins in the tournament last year. That was a big knockout. Maybe he demands Adam Collins. I mean, dare yeah. I say it, though, I doubt it would be the case. He did lose to me twice this year. And I know Roca and I don't exactly have, uh, you know. We don't have roses for each other, so who knows? Uh, I don't know what he's going to do, but it will be interesting to see, and it will definitely be something that we're all going to want to watch. Do you think it's for real? Do you think
2: it's actually his retirement? I do. I think John has put in a lot for this game, and I'm sure he was a big part of forming the Finstock Exchange, which you know we're seeing so many great rookies from the exchange in all three division or all four divisions, and we're going to be seeing King Arthur pretty soon which is going to be their brand new team of King Khan and Griffin Newman. But I think it is at least for a few years. I think he's going to at least take next season off and maybe, you know, he'll get coaxed out of it. Maybe there'll be some, uh, you know, some specialty matches with the outlaw. Maybe they'll reunite, you know, top 10 versus the Patriots or something like that. There could be some matches like that, but I think like the whole faction thing, I, you know, I think he's done with that.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're probably correct. It does seem like, you know, it's interesting with the Schmodown. We get to watch people what they do in the Schmodown, but we also get to watch what they do in their their personal business on their own. Suga donated
2: to $20. Came to show the boss some respect. He is gracious in defeat and never shies away from losses or talking about them. I've said once and I'll say it again, Bateman is the best tactician in Schmodown history. Good luck on the team's tournament, Bateman. Thank you. I appreciate that. Who was that? It was uh, Shug, and that's Su Gay as the Schmobots say that was Suge. Suge. Thanks, Shug. Thanks. I appreciate that.
1: Uh, I do appreciate that. And yes, we will, uh, we will get into my loss at least, at least briefly. Um, some of the comments got it. I'll just interrupt my own train of thought here for a second. There's a couple of comments that said Bateman shouldn't be allowed to host backstage after he loses because he spends the whole show explaining away his loss. Uh, somebody else should be able to host. And I was like, what would you like me to do? Come on the show and be like, <laughs> "Yeah, Paige is a better player than me. I'm nothing. I lost
2: because I'm bad at the game. You guys were all right. Let's move on." Like, what? Someone clip out that right there. Yeah. Can you some? <laughs> someone just clip that out for me, real quick? Just that that five seconds, and we'll just take that out of context and make you know a bunch of clickbait on it.
1: A headline on Twitter. Um, but uh, anyway, so getting back to the conversation at hand though, uh, and, and just talking about, I think, John and his approach, you can see with a lot of different people and the content that they make, you can sort of surmise where their head is at, I think, mm. in, you know, how much energy they're putting into things. Because the, the truth is about the movie trivia, Schmodown, You can just play. You can just show up and play matches. Mm -hmm. And it's a random enough game in three rounds that you will win some matches if you know a lot about movies. Like you you could get guys that haven't played for years to come in and win a match against anybody. If the questions go their way that day, they'll just go their way that day. But if you really want to win, if you want to win multiple matches in a row, have a shot to even be remotely relevant, it requires a tremendous amount of your time. You not only have to be watching movies, but you have to be focusing on which types of movies to watch, which types of movies to read about, to study, to have conversations about. You have to create ways to keep yourself invested in those conversations, whether that's having a podcast, if it's zoom study sessions, if it's, I mean, there's so many different ways you can do it, even just the kind of articles and books you're reading. So I think to do that does require a lot. And if you look at John and what he does on outline nation, he, he produces a tremendous amount of content there. It would be hard to imagine him wanting to go full, like, you know, even harder next year into the showdown, yeah. considering how much effort he's obviously putting into his own stuff. And I think you can say the same for several competitors. Um, you know, it, we don't, we don't physically age out of being able to play in the showdown in the same way that pro athletes do. But I do think that the game and the way that it works does take an, a, an emotional and mental toll on you. If you do it for long enough, that it makes sense that somebody like him would want to step away to doing it for eight years.
2: Exactly. And this is, you know, if the Schmodown was the NFL NBA, you know, John would be the first person to go full time contracted salary person to just studying movies because this game does mean so much to him. But it's not. He's got his own channel. You know, he's he's not, you know, with Collider anymore. Like that's a big thing of not having like that kind of steady paycheck. And a lot of us are freelancers. So I, I understand like he's building his channel from the ground up. He's got so many different shows with so many different personalities on them. And I, I love that about John. Like he's really making his own way in this kind of cutthroat business of like, Hey, you're the first person to get this article. You're the first person to review, you know, let there be carnage. You get all the views up. You were a day late. Now you don't. So it's hard to expect him to study as well as that, and then, you know, and then, you are know, like, you know, John, like, he's so competitive, he takes these losses to heart, and he, like, he's so, com- like, so I I do understand it fully, and I wish him nothing but the best, and I think he's doing great so far, he's got great people on his channel, doing amazing things over there, but it is, with how the game is going, like, you are asking a lot of these people for, you know, we get paid per match, and then that's kind of it, and, like, we do it because we love the game. We're not doing it because we can make a career out of it. Yeah, I think you
1: know, and I think look, if if all things go according to plan, someday there will be a version of the exactly. career. You know, I think it keeps it keeps growing and and it keeps evolving and uh, it keeps getting better. And so yeah. I think that probably guys like Sam Levine and John Roca, if this became more of a full time gig, would be more invested and they would probably yeah. they would probably do it to a higher degree. Um, but all that being said, it was a big announcement. It'll be exciting to see who he plays against at Spectacular. It seems like that match will for sure happen. Uh, it's always it interesting when John came on to do the announcement, the thing he started by saying was that he was the outlaw. He I'm, I'm mm-hmm. doing this as yes. the outlaw, right? He was very, he said it two or three times, like very clear. You're listening to the outlaw tonight, not John Roca. And, but what's interesting about that is that like, so then the outlaw goes out there and it's, it, it feels a lot like talking to John <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah, when He starts yelling and ranting. It's not, cause I've, you know, I've never really had those conversations with John before, but like, he gets into these tangents uh he at one point he started ranting in spanish uh he took a bunch of shots at i think at me and drew in spanish
2: uh i that's at least that's I what did, I, heard. I didn't watch the full thing i i i just watched like some of the clips
1: you know and like i have no current match against john like he's not in the team's tournament i'm out of the singles tournament drew doesn't even compete so there's there is nothing there but that's just that's what the outlaw wants to do you know he wants to throw a bomb so it's it's certainly interesting to watch and listen and uh, and always observe because you know a lot of it's very intentional but i also know because i've seen him cut promos before yeah once he gets going once he gets going he's just going he'll he's there's not like a there's not like a filter he doesn't he doesn't like plot out what he's gonna say or say i'm gonna hit these seven beats i think he has kind of a general idea and then he just goes but i will say despite the fact that it's not always, you know, the most uh, PC or uh, it is PC. It's, it's not the most child-friendly is said I'd say. Uh, it still is good television. Always. It's always, always. good. like he is, he is the best at cutting a promo that the Schmodown ever seen without doubt. Uh, he can do it off the cuff in a way that really nobody else in the show has ever been able to do. So uh, I'm sure it won't be the last of those that we get. I'm sure there'll be more build up to this match at spectacular. Uh, Jeremiah
2: Fuentes, Fuentes says that was a two hour promo, man. Uh, yeah, it was it was definitely pretty intense. Oh yeah, I'm sure Nerd Chronic for the spectacular match will be taking a lot out of that retirement speech for sure. And I think my wish for, you know, now that you've got me uh you've got Andrew Guy in my head, I want Jeff Snyder and John Rocha teaming up to face team action oh, as, as a retirement match.
1: That'd be that'd be a fun one. I mean, it'd be it'd be fun to be back as action. Um, but I mean, if you were gonna do Jeff Snyder and wouldn't you, I mean, obviously Snyder is more of the character, but I mean, if you were going to do that, wouldn't it just be the top 10 action three? Cause we beat them once they beat us once we never got the third match. I know.
2: I just like, you know, two recently retired players and you know, yeah, three yeah, yeah, recently yeah. retired players, the Andrew guy in there as well. Uh, I know he's like, he's been killing it on the desk, but just pure insanity on stage. Like, I don't think Christian could get through a question that you guys would just be sniping at each other the entire time. It would get, it would get heated without a doubt, without yeah. a doubt. Um, so anyway,
1: that's the, uh, it's the update coming from the Outlaw camp. You know, there's still several players from the Finstock exchange running around in the singles tournament. We're going to get the very first team's match in the tournament, I believe, uh, airing pretty soon here, which is going to be final exam versus King Arthur. Uh, should be a fun one. Excited to see how that one goes. I, I like all of those I am, players.
2: I am too. And I, you know, we've talked about it before. I think this is final exams last chance. Uh, yeah. they've, been, they've been so close so many times and they are a great team. But you know, there's only so many times where you know you can climb the mountain and not reach the peak that you might just okay, it's it's time to you know change things up. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to be bringing on PJ Campbell in just a few minutes here, but I do want to address the
1: match before we do. I know people have their questions. I'd be remiss to not talk about my last singles match of the season, at least for a moment. Um, A lot of my thoughts on it, you know, I shared on the action industry's uh, action guys on Sunday night. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you hate to lose. (laughs) First thing you everybody hates to lose. No, nobody wants to lose. Everybody wants to win. Uh, I think anybody watching this match knew that there was a lot more to gain for Page, uh, and a lot more to lose for me, which I knew. That's fine. If you play a long time, then that's what happens. You know, if, if you keep if you keep at least somewhere near that elite tier, you know that every time you play, there's a chance that you know your legacy or whatever you want to call it gets tarnished. And if you're playing a new player, it's especially risky. Uh, it doesn't really matter that that Adam Collins went on to win the tournament and the title. It still, when it happened, was crushing for John. You know, it's like when you lose in the early rounds of a tournament uh, against somebody who's brand new. It, it yeah, it stinks. Um, It's funny that I keep saying Paige played really well, and then I have to correct myself because the truth is, she did, but she could have played perfect. Yeah, like if she had played, if she had played to the, the the peak of her ability with the questions that she knew, I think she would have just, I would have gotten my my ass kicked. It would have, I would have gotten destroyed um because the truth is i mean despite the fact that she you know she did get the questions wrong and you can never really say that somebody like knew something if they get it wrong because if you get it wrong you get it wrong but she did seem to at least have a pretty clear understanding of the godfather question and of the location in fight Club, and those are the only two misses she had in the whole match yeah so she did play extremely well um she just could have played better you know i think i probably played a little bit tentative but i also was trying to plot it out i have a pretty strong opinion at this point that the only way you're going to really usually get rolled in the last round is if you miss the five and they get it. Um, I'd have to look at the stats to see if that's correct, but that's kind of a theory that I go with now. I assume most of the time, if I look at my 50 matches or whatever I've played, that I'll probably hit the two and the three. I know I've missed some in my career, but I think the vast majority of twos and threes I've hit. So um, you just want to try to stay ahead as much as you possibly can. And so after round one, you know, we both go sevens. We go into round two. She hits Fincher, I get the steal, I'm down four. I didn't re-spin on Coming of Age because I felt like I was going to be able to get at least five. Uh, I just, and I, there was a few things on the wheel that I didn't, to, I didn't want to roll the dice on. So I ended up getting six, I'm ahead by two. And once again, in back-to-back matches, I missed my three. Um, a lot of people saying that it's funny that they were movie release dates and Oscars questions. There's some irony there, I'll, I'll agree. Um, you know, I think movie release dates on, on sequels and horror franchises I'm usually pretty good at but i mean deep deep sequels in those franchises are i would say the deeper you get in those franchises the more niche the interest is i don't have a lot of interest in like halloween seven and eight and nine or really any of those franchises the deep entries it's just not stuff that i care about very much um but i know some people do that's why the questions are there horror is a big very popular uh franchise or sorry horror is a popular genre it's a popular franchise yeah um And then on the Chazelle one, I mean, this is the one I wish I could get back. I've explained this a couple of times now, but, you know, I have done a lot of uh, interviews, red carpet and and, uh, junket interviews, and and I don't do so many of them now, but there was a few years where I was doing a lot of them. And I was writing stats for Time Warner Cable Media's social account in 2015 for the 2014 Oscars. um, And I was writing about Chazelle and Whiplash. And so I, I knew in my mind, if I had gone back there, that I knew that one, that he didn't get the nom. I knew that he won for La La Land. I did that premiere. And then the next year, two years later for First Man, I did a bunch of Oscars carpets. I mean, I covered like two or three of them that year and he wasn't anywhere to be found. So if I had worked through it, I think a little more logically, which is what I should have done because I had two repeats left. I actually ended the match with two repeats, which is not something I think I've ever done in my whole career. Um, I probably could have gotten closer, though Would I have gotten it right, who knows, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. I just know that I had a lot more in the tank with that question that I think I actually used. I, for some reason, convinced myself that it was just right. And that lost me the match. So, um, you know, I'm always going to play the character that I play in a match. Uh, I'm always going to like, like, again, I, You're you're told not to read the comments. It's something people tell you, but it's hard not to read the comments. You don't play that many matches. You want to see what people think. And uh, a lot of the, the comments that I read were insane. Like a couple of comments were like serves you right for all the snack you were talking on Twitter, leading up to the match. And it's like, I already taped and lost it at that point. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to sell the match for your sake. That's the whole reason you do that. Yeah. You know, most, I think these days, a lot of competitors don't tweet at all. They only tweet if they win it's it's bad form. You can usually tell who wins the match that way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that I did want to say real quick, last thing before we bring on uh, before we bring on PJ so I got a private message, Facebook Messenger, yesterday or Sunday. Uh, and it was from, it was from somebody who's, uh, who's obviously not a Bateman fan. And it was like, hey, basically something condescending and then a bunch of uh, GIFs making fun of me. And it was to my, my private Facebook. It was, it was a message to me. It wasn't a tweet. Yeah. wasn't a DM on Instagram it was like on the, it was on the platform that I'm like friends with my family and my brothers and sisters and parents and like kids I grew up with. Right. I don't post, I don't promote myself in the Schmodown as the boss on Facebook. Right. It's my personal Facebook. I'm friends with a lot of people who follow the Schmodown because I've gotten to know a lot of them, but I got this message and it was like, excuse me, are you fucking kidding me? I was just like, this is I do this for entertainment. I do this to put on a show and I enjoy it and I like it and I have a great time doing it. And if you want to take shots at the boss and you want to tweet at me and see if I respond to it, that's fine. But do not enter into my, my personal space. It's such a violation of who I am as a person and the person who did this should be absolutely ashamed of themselves. It's an entertainment service. That's what we're putting on for you. We are creating something for you to enjoy and you never should ever cross that line. Don't call someone. Don't get someone's number from a competitor and text them. Don't enter into a private stream that they're doing promoting something of their own that is not to do with their Shmodan character and and, and piss on them. It's just not the way it works. There is a divide. Yeah. And so anybody who's watching this who likes to mess around, that's fine. I'm I'm happy for you to take shots at the boss. Trust me. It's been happening for years. It'll keep happening. It's the way the game works. It's what you do if you're going to harass people as a heel but do not enter into my, my space. It's, it's a violation. And any competitor, the ones that I like, or the ones that I despise will tell you the same thing. It, that's, that's not your space. We're not friends. We don't know each other. Don't send me a message on messenger.
2: So yeah, uh, the, yeah, the, the lack of accountability people have online is staggering. Um, like you know, I think I read you know like Peggy Peggy's match and then like Jess's match, and it was just it was just gross. Like what people have been leaving on those matches, and that's you know when I put that to it, I was like, oh, read the comments. That's my fault, guys. It will never happen again. And it is shitty that that's literally like an unwritten rule of the i'm like don't read the comments. Like that shouldn't be a thing. Like guys, we're doing this for pennies on the dollar because we love movie trivia. Like we love playing and entertaining y'all, but you might not like a character, you might not like a player, but that doesn't give you the right to come and comment, like, ah, oh, this person doesn't belong in the league. Are you kidding? What an embarrassment. Like you can you can come and be like, you know what? They should have used a repeat there. They should have gone multiple choice. They should have spun again. Yes, those are good critiques. Those are fair critiques that be like, you know what? I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have gotten coming of age. I should have respun on Fincher or Star Wars or whatever the the division sure. is. But no, going after someone personally is out of bounds. And I'll have no problem. Ben's classier than me. I would have said this guy's name.
1: I. It's not how I do things. I. I don't. It's just not what I do. I don't put. People, I don't put people on blast on social. It's not a conversation I want to get into with this person. So. Yeah. Better to just point it out for the next time. And, and, you know, this person's probably ignorant enough that they'll do it again to someone else. But, you know, don't be that person, guys. It's just, it's not worth it. Trust me. We have lives. We don't need that in our lives. Nope. Um, So let's bring in our first guest of the show today. Somebody I'm excited to talk to. He is the head question writer. You guys probably know his name. He gets brought up a lot. His name is PJ Campbell. He writes the questions. He's the architect, the mastermind, the genius behind the current movie trivia schmodown, uh what's going on pj welcome to the show well what's going on man it's good to see you you too pal god look at that collection
3: behind you you really are into physical media aren't you i have been since i was a kid i think you and i have probably talked about that like privately like ever since i was a kid my parents always had vhs movies and stuff around all the time and it bit me very young and i've just never stopped
1: yeah, man, I mean, uh, I, I kind of haven't been, haven't been buying movies in a while. I don't actually own any way to watch them. <laughs> I don't have a DVD player, a Blu-ray player. I no way to play them. When Drew All and I right. were trying to do watch-alongs for our, uh, for our Patreon, we had to order a Blu-ray player off of, off of Amazon, and then we couldn't even get it to be compatible with our computers. We're like, we're like old men when it comes to that stuff. I was going to say, like, give me your address. I'll get you a cheap TV and a Blu-ray player just so that you can, like, actually watch stuff. Yeah. I I, I like being able to stream stuff but it is it is weird the idea that if it changes that anything that I you know previously had thought I was gonna be able to watch or even own digitally will just be gone um so you know I know I know that's that's part of the reason why but um question first question for you how many movies do you think you watch a day on average do you think you actually you you clip one a day I try to do at least one Uh, a
3: lot of the time when I'm doing stuff around the house I tend to leave things on um a lot of the times it'll be stuff that I know really well but because i've seen it so many times i can just kind of like think about things i hear quotes certain things about plot points that's the kind of stuff that i latch on to when i'm do- writing and doing other things but it's usually one maybe two a day
1: so This season, there has been a a real strong trend since the tournament started where the questions have just gotten a little deeper. They've gotten a little more interesting. Uh, There's a little bit less in terms of softballs in round one. The methodology behind the questions that are getting asked. And I know round to round, it's a little different because the Mm -hmm. round one is the only set of questions that you specifically curate for each match. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, I mean, the round one is always specific for every match. Um, The round twos are things that we have been working on for a while. And same with the round threes, like sometimes I'll go in and change things, but for the most part, round one is the one that's always constructed specifically for that match.
1: Yeah, I mean, because obviously the, the, the questions in round two are totally dependent on the, the wheel slice that gets spun and right. in round three, it's the numbers. So you just, you, you you know, there could be questions in round three that you write a year ago that finally get asked now. Whereas in round one, that's why the round one stuff tends to be a bit more topical, right? If there's a, if there's an actor or actress director who's passed, sometimes you'll get a question relating to them in round one because you write it for the match. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, it's it's funny you bring up the, you could be sitting
3: on things for a year and sometimes you guys will notice like, A certain movie might come up a couple of times, kind of back to back in certain matches, and it's never intentional. It's just that questions have been sitting so long that it comes back up later. And so it's just kind of funny almost because everyone's like, oh, we figured it out. He must be watching it. Not necessarily. It's just been sitting
1: Do you remember a point in the season when you noticed that you, you you started to feel like you needed this to be a little bit more complex? Cause there was this, this season was the season, right. It was, or was it partially last season too, that we had such a crazy number of perfect first rounds. I
3: think it was somewhere towards the end of last season. And then somewhere like halfway through this season, it felt like perfect rounds were happening really, really frequently. And I just, I was seeing the comments, but I was also already like, you burn through a lot of extra questions if everyone's getting perfect rounds, because that's a bonus question for every one of those. And I didn't love that. And I was like, there's good ways that the questions can still be gettable, but also tighten it up just a little, make it a little bit harder. Um, and it would push people a little bit more. That way, you really felt like you were earning a perfect round.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can, I remember I was in the league for, for like two and a half years or something like that before I finally got a perfect round. I think it took me, I think the first time I ever got a perfect round. Remember you remember when I had to play that prop match, the uh the the the, the fake match with uh yeah. me and Finstock versus uh I think it was was it McQueenie and Guy? It was right, it was the yeah. it was the real team. Yeah, because it was supposed to be Burnett, but Burnett didn't show up. Something like that. That feels like a lifetime ago. It does, yeah, it was like a couple years ago. But but I, I remember we played that match and like we actually almost beat them anyway. Um, but it was my it was like my first perfect round I ever got. I was so happy about it. And then you know, at at that point, maybe already had like 15 perfect rounds or something like that. But uh, then as the season went on, you know, I think it was, I think it was uh, last season that we really started to see that trend and Mm -hmm. so many perfect rounds. And I think the real, for me, the real kick was, it was all the rookies that were coming in and getting them. It was people that had never played before who were coming in and and going perfect in round one and then getting eight in round two that I think that, that for me was where I was like this, I don't know if this is that good for the game. No, totally. And I mean, I could say you and I had
3: talked privately in the past because you and I, we talk a lot, like on the phone, we text a lot, and we had been talking about it, and you and I had noticed it, and other people had noticed it, and I was like, I think we can find a way to go back to what it was, and I mean, last year, I was still finding my footing when I had fully taken over, like I'd been helping for a year and a half in writing until I took over, and then it was still it's a big responsibility and like the world had stopped and then we kind of like flung forward into, we were going to be doing tournaments really quickly. And so it was the team and I were still struggling to get to know each other and like find our groove. And it wasn't until the end of last year that I felt like the team and I really started to gel and stuff was starting to move. And that's when it was like, okay, we can do that. Then we can start to move things and do things
1: a little bit differently. And I felt really good about it. And I like where the game is at right now. I think so too. I think it's in a great place. And guys, if you have any questions for PJ while we're here, be sure to get them in, get in your streamlabs, your super chats, uh, you know, feel free to, to ask anything you want. We'll be asking Goddard a little later to come on and read through some of those. The show's going to be a little shorter today. We're just going to be going until one So if you have any questions, make sure to get those in. So when you go about, when you go about adjusting a question or a document mm-hmm. to make it easier or harder, is it a simple process? Is it, is it pieces of context that either add you either add them or you take them out or is it entirely different styles of questions?
3: Um, It kind of depends, because I know that when I'm working on them and I'm looking at things, there's times where I look at a question, I go, there might be a little too much context here. And you can nip something here or there, because if you have a certain thing on one part of the question, it's as simple as maybe taking out a year um, and having enough characters and a location that it kind of makes sense to the question. And it's like, it's tough because maybe you needed the year to get there, but enough of the context is still there or even... Flipping a question. Um, one of the things that I like doing, depending on it, what we're asking, is sometimes you can ask something super specific within the film, but it's almost better to flip it and the specific thing is the question, and we're trying to get to the movie. And I think that things like that are a little bit better because at least for me, the when I think of those questions like that firm question that got through last season, like that's ridiculous. It just is. (laughs) But I can look at that and go if you had flipped the question and been like this law firm is featured in what thriller and you could put the year, right? It doesn't even necessarily have to say Tom Cruise. Now the question is at least a little bit more gettable.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's, what's hard about that. I've seen a lot of people asking about this and I actually wonder how you feel about it. It's the idea of the, this, this, and this, what movie? That's Mm -hmm. like a a style of five pointer that I think a lot of players don't like. Um, Obviously, you know, you, you, in my match against Paige, that literally just aired on friday right. uh, we both have a name the movie from this thing question mine is a quote from heat hers is actors in the movie monsters university um i think i mean heat's pretty pretty like easy if you love the movie but at the same time any movie that you have to name from a quote's not easy if you don't know the movie so totally um they're a little different right i think in terms of the style of question in your mind do you rank the like name the movie from this thing like if you give all of this context, that's one. If you give less less context, that's another one. If you give just one actor and a genre, right? You know, like how is it sort of in your mind? Like the easiest version, the hardest version, or you don't have it ranked that way?
3: No, I do sometimes, and it's also dependent on how you're doing it, right? Because one of the things that we've seen a lot of, like one of my favorite questions earlier in the season, was that Born Legacy question, yeah, because yeah. you t- you put enough in where there's context that you can figure out it's a born movie, but then it's about deconstructing it in. 15 seconds can you get to which specific one because people forget about legacy like legacy had enough crossover with the franchise that there was characters who were still in it and actors who were still in it while also it could sound like anything yeah and things like that are fun And like in the ref, like the heat one for you that's a very famous scene but you still have to have seen the movie because we didn't give it a lot of context in the same way that if you look at pages Bill Hader and Nathan Fillion have both done multiple Pixar movies. Aubrey Plaza is the real, like the real key to that question. Yeah. So it's really about how quickly, like you can rank it in your head of you break it down, it's not as simple and as easy as people like to say, like, I know I see commenters who are like, Oh, that's so easy. It's easy for you. Remember, everything is subjective. It's, it's about trying to make sure that I know that you guys are putting in the work, but also making sure you work for the wins or work for the match. Like, it's
1: good television too. Do you, um, when you come across like a little factoid that you'll be like, Oh my God, this could be, I could ask this and it could be this or this. Is that like really exciting for you? Cause I feel like I All see the questions. There was a question that came up in a match recently and it was like scores and soundtracks. And it was like, what 1979 sci-fi epic was nominated for best original score at the Oscars. And, uh, and I think it was uh jerry goldsmith epic right i think the ocean gave the name is what i'm pretty sure and i was like oh that's alien for sure i was like 79 it's jerry goldsmith it's like sci-fi i guess it could be an epic and the answer was star trek the motion picture so like did you first of all did you write that question no that one wasn't me i can't take credit for that but it's still so good it's a great question and it's like it's one of those questions too where you 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 read it and then when when the answer gets given it's like Oh wow. Like that is somebody somebody must have noticed this because I mean it's a hard enough question in itself to just be a two-pointer. I think it's it was a two. It's fine as a two. But right. if there's only one answer, it's it's a pretty gettable five, but or a two-pointer, but like it is hilarious to me that there's there's two. No saying says I think Epic tells me it isn't alien. I mean, is Star Trek the motion picture really an epic? I don't know. That it's, movie is the in my mind that is opposite of epic. That mean, it's terrible.
3: I mean, I don't disagree with you, but also first time it, you know going out and actually having the budget for the stuff they do so that they spend half of the movie
1: just showing the starship outside i guess that could be considered epic eric chan here has the questions available i wonder how many people have questions databases i know that like most factions have one faction member or somebody who works with them (laughs) that has a lot of questions cataloged uh, and they will they will go in and that's that's you know i wonder how many times how many different people have archived the questions almost to the point that it's like if so many people have done the work and have it, makes you think, what it, is that just like a resource that should just be available by the league? This is, there was this is...
3: one at one point. There was a Redditor, I think, who had posted like an Excel sheet. And I was actually using it at one point to try to get an idea of what we had asked before, what we hadn't, because it gave me a really good idea coming in to like mine it and figure out. What is stuff that we asked about all the time that we could like pull back on? What was stuff that we really hadn't asked about that we probably should? Like, it was a great resource for me. So I I love stuff like that. And like, I spend a lot of time going through old matches and old documents and looking at what we've asked. How can we rephrase certain things? Like, it's kind of fun, actually.
1: Do you feel like at this point, people have kind of cut back on going after the writers as much as they used to? Do you feel a little bit less attacked? Yeah, I do. I think that like the competitors
3: at least seem like they're having a really good time i know that it, you're not always going to love every question you get and that's totally fair like i get that but it, it's it been a lot more celebratory and i feel really good about that like the team and i have worked so hard to make the game fun and exciting and if we're doing that for the competitors and the fans then it feels like we're doing something right um there's always going to be criticism and that's fine like we're not perfect i i beat our like i beat myself up when things feel wonky or wrong and like you can look at things in hindsight and be like, you could have tweaked something a certain way, but I like people being excited about it. Like you and I talk frequently about, I love root of the question. Root of the question is one of my favorite things because you guys actually like take the time to look at everything and you're like, these are great and this is why, or this one wasn't great and here's how you could have tweaked it. But like, it's not in a mean way. It's just, hey, I don't love this style of question. I don't love the way this might've been worded and that's totally fine.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that like, if you've been at it long enough and you play a lot of matches, you start to get a a clearer sense of uh, the fact that there's, there's not really, I mean, you did, you did say at one point to someone, maybe it was on a show, or maybe you just said to me, I can't remember, but I think you said, we're not trying to get you guys. Uh, Right. You know, we're not trying to trick you guys. I don't know if that's as true now as it used to be. I think that was maybe the 2019, 2020 mentality. I think now you're back in an era where you kind of have to try to trick us. And that's a little bit part of, I don't think it's every question, but we've seen a lot more sequel questions in round one. We've seen Mm -hmm. a lot more stuff where there's two very obvious options and you want people to go for, you know, jump at the first one, you know. I mean, there's uh, the actor questions that we've been doing a lot
3: of recently. There's sometimes where it'll be like the Walter Matthau, Jack Lemmon. Like it could be either one and you had to really like jump at whichever one. It becomes a coin flip almost stuff like that. It's not about tricking you guys, but it is also a little fun because it really it makes moments super exciting. Like that was one of the best moments in that cantina match with lawn and con was that turn and cons like, is it Jack lemon? And then lawn goes, no Walter math out. Like it was exciting. And that's the kind of stuff I like, like it changes the dynamic just a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, I do think that the, the exciting, the exciting ways for players who are doing something right, but getting it wrong. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's actually a great piece of drama. you mentioned something that I think is really interesting, which is, you know, if, because because when you try to solve the puzzle, right, you need to be extra, extra careful. You have to try to get inside the mind of the writers. And uh, you have to do it in, in pretty real time. You know, one question I had for you was like, so when, how, how do I phrase this? Um, Shoot, now I just lost my train of thought. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to it. I'll remember it in just okay, a second. Okay. But uh, but as far as like the the actors you know are in this three movie question, it is one of the things that you guys have definitely come up with that I feel like you see in lots and lots of matches now. And there's a number of different matches where you can see certain patterns of questions. It feels like that's one. It does feel like the uh, in movie release dates. You know, this movie was released. What other movie from the actor came out the same year? um i even noticed that when you're doing the movie release days questions in round one these three movies you're not picking the mainstream ones like like it used to be it's usually right. like two pretty obscure ones and like a medium one
3: yeah and it's just because a lot of the time i know it's stuff that you guys will kind of latch on because you're all studying but like it's kind of fun and it makes it a little interesting because you know i also like thinking that we're kind of like pushing people to watch things that they may not. And so mentioning that type of stuff pushes people to maybe go out of their way to see it. While also if you paid attention to it, Oh, that's really cool. And that piece of information may have stayed in the back of your mind. And now it becomes relevant.
1: Right. I mean, it rewards you for knowing cast lists. Or record. It just rewards you for just yeah. knowing more about movies, which is the whole point of the game. You know, the deeper, totally. even the deeper peripheral knowledge you have, even the things you haven't seen is, is the point. I remember I was going to ask you now. So now, if you are talking about questions like that that are a little bit more difficult to answer, how do you how do you deal with 15 seconds? Because I think the puzzle questions, what I've noticed when I've gotten them, they're almost always the ones that require a repeat the question because mm-hmm. they're they they really don't take 15 seconds. Those movie release dates questions where you have to get the other movie. If you don't instantly know it, doing the thing where you work through the process in your brain, it'll take me three repeats to even wager a guess that's accurate most of the time. Because sure if you don't know the list perfectly, you're just, you're sitting there going through the Rolodex and you're just trying to line things up. And uh, do you guys like, when you write those questions, do you test them out. Do you read them out loud and then think like, you know what yeah.
3: I'm saying? No, we totally do. I mean, um, PLD and I specifically have been doing a lot behind the scenes. Cause I help a little bit when with stuff with FCL and he'll come over and help me on the main side and we will run the questions together. And we kind of test them out to see how we feel. How is it read? How like, can, do you think we can get there? Can we change a piece of information enough that the puzzle gets a little bit easier or a little bit harder not to like burn you guys at the same time, but also to make it interesting or fair or exciting? Like it just kind of depends. And one of the things is also the way the questions are even laid out in the round. Like, you know, I want you guys to feel good coming in like coming out the gate and then it'll be two, three questions and maybe throw a curveball then go back to, you know, stack it a little bit, and then maybe another curveball at the end. Little things like that, it's it's a lot of work. Like, there's a, it's not always easy to balance it that way, but we spend a lot of time trying to. Like, even the order
1: of the questions is important to you, like the way you actually yeah. structure the match.
3: Yeah, 100%. Interesting.
1: Uh, well, that that's cool. I didn't realize that you guys read them uh, back and forth to each other, actually test them out. Now, as far as... Um, as far as as the way that you guys approach writing a match when you get into the last round, I know there was a lot of issues with five pointers in the past. People had their problems, but now it does feel like there's a lot of fives that are super, super gettable. You have a lot of questions now that are in the five that end up as fives that are like, you know, who won an Oscar for Aitania? Or there was the right. J. Edgar question, you know, questions that feel like if you have a pretty, a pretty strong awareness, it's not gonna be much work to get there. Um, do you Are you careful with that, that you don't want to include stuff like that, you know, in in a five category? We try to be careful, but there's
3: always going to be like, I have to take a step back sometimes, too, because I think sometimes we forget being so close and knowing as much as we do. Things are very subjective and like something that seems super easy for me is not going to be super easy for someone else. So I try to take a step back. Do I think about it? Does this seem too easy? Sure, sometimes. But I also know that we also have a lot of younger players who may not look at that stuff as being as easy as it is. Or even older players who get something similar and it sounds way harder than it actually is for someone who's super young. Like Riley got that diary of a wimpy kid question. And I saw a lot of young people who were like, that was like a one pointer for a lot of us. Because they they knew the books, they knew the names of the characters. But for Riley, that's a hard question.
1: He, he's not you know for most of the people who are older in the Schmoda. i mean that's right not only do you not really watch those movies mostly if you're a grown-up but on top of that it's like a movie that didn't come out two or three years ago you know it's been out for a little right. while now exactly and so that's the stuff that i
3: you know i have to think about it in the back of my head when we're writing it because it can be super easy for some people and then for others it could be the nail in the coffin you just never know i'd look at janine's um Scott Glenn, Hunt for Road October question. To me, that question is super easy because I know Hunt for Road October like front and back. That movie, I've seen it so many times since I was a kid. But for Janine, who had never even looked at it or studied it or seen it, that question's
1: impossible. And like, you think about that. Well, I mean, yeah, so there, you, you mentioned something which is really important in this conversation. It's the idea of, you know, objectivity when you're, when you're looking at questions. And it's really hard with a small staff. I think a lot of people imagine that there's, you know, eight sets of eyes that go through these documents and check all the questions. But there's a ton of questions. There's tons of matches. Um, you know, you, you, if you're lucky, you'll have maybe one other person and then Christian look it over. And again, right. that's all subjective, right? The whole idea of what you know is, and, and, and this, this comes anytime somebody criticizes a question, It's just about what they care about or what they know. So I think that's probably the hardest part as a writer because there are, I'm sure, questions that you write where you can sort of justify the existence of the question just based on the way you feel about it. Maybe you'll try to check yourself. Maybe you'll try to say, oh, you know what? But like like a great one that I I noticed, it was a round one question and it was, who stars in the Omen 3, right? And the answer was Sam Neill. It was a round one question in in the Newman video Drew match. I remember hearing that and being like, I mean, you get asked about like, who plays, you know, uh, who, who plays DiCaprio's deceased wife Maul in, in Inception in round one? You know, you get right. stuff like that that's, like, so mainstream and everybody's seen it, heard of it. And, like, I mean, you might even get who plays Cobb, honestly. That, that's probably sure. a wrong question. You know, versus, like, the star of a pretty obscure third entry in a, like, B-horror right. franchise right and it's like so the difference there to me is one of those things where i happen to know you really like horror you're a fan right. of those movies so like the justification- just the way i wasn't sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like the justification of a question like that making it into round 1 is totally different for you versus for me if i was the question writer and i was writing the questions and i came across that i might i might ask that as a 5 pointer i mean maybe a sure. 3 but like cuz to me i'm just like why would i know that unless I love this whole genre so much that I just, I'm going to go deep on all the movies. And I guess I'm that way. If you ask me about like trashy thrillers, you know, for the most totally. part, like I'll probably know most of the trashy thrillers and the, and the actors and the plots because I like all those bad movies. Yeah, I'm uh, courtroom dramas are another one for me. Like that's why I wanted it so bad last
3: season on the wheel. I was like, I watch way too many courtroom dramas that I know too much about. Like
1: put it on the wheel. Yeah, I want more questions about like, twisted and jade oh yeah (laughs) all right all right i see you Sliver. uh you know really 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 bad movies um well that's really interesting man i mean there's there's so much that goes into writing a match or writing a question that i think people don't really get what's the genre that you have the hardest time writing for Dance is one of my least favorites at this point.
3: Yeah. Um, just because I don't know nearly enough about it. It's kind of like you in horror. I'm like, why, why would I want to know this? But we have people who love that category. Same thing with period pieces in like that that whole genre. But I've also figured out that period pieces can also be more than just like Jane Austen adaptations. Like technically something like Tombstone is a period piece costume drama. So then I can be like, oh, I can sneak a Westerns question in here, stuff like that. Sure. Like. So those are some of the ones that are harder for me just because I'm not as familiar with it, to be honest. Like, and have I gone, gone through and tried to yes, but it's still, they're not easy for me to sit through. They're just not my type of movie. And so that's why it's good to have other people on staff who actually like that stuff. Star Trek is a perfect example of that. Like I really love Star Trek, but I couldn't write that stuff the way that some of my uh, top tier IG writers like to.
1: How about, how about a star Wars, right? In fact, I think we had some star Wars questions in the super labs, super chats and stream labs. So let's bring Goddard back on here and uh, we can ask some of those before you answer my question. Perfect.
2: Yeah. From Dagan. uh, Hey, all getting hyped for New York next week. Can't wait to see everybody in person. PJ, not including star Wars. What do you think has been the most challenging category to write questions for this season? so not including Star Wars outside of dance, I suppose now. Yeah, I guess like outside of dance and
3: stuff. um, Some of the smaller slices like Catherine Biglow, have gotten real hard just because we've mined them a lot. And so you start running into how can we ask the same thing in a different way or things like that without it becoming so obscure that no one can answer it. Uh, That tends to be the problem. And so like even internally, we're not done with this season, but the team is already looking into next season we're like well on our way of figuring out what we're going to be doing with the categories and things like that and so some of the stuff that we've had a harder time with towards the end of the year because they're hit a lot or they're used a lot we're finding ways to try to evolve them or maybe retire them for a little bit like there's no saying that the those categories won't come back but i find
1: when you start to run too deep on stuff it's probably time call it for a little bit Right, so there'll be some retirements on some categories. She'll be adding some stuff and updating mm-hmm. it. Do,
2: I do want to ask you about that before we get out of here, but what else yeah, we got? Totally. totally. Uh, somebody. Uh, Hi, PJ, big fan. Would you ever consider taking fan questions, like create a Google Doc uh, link where people can submit questions and then you and the team could hone them into Schmodown questions? I think it could add variety in question formats and styles. I think we did that once upon a time, and then there
3: was even at one point a Patreon tier that allowed – questions that came in and that was kind of what we did we haven't done that in a while actually now that I think about it um never say never but because of the like we have such a small team and everybody's working kind of very tightly together I don't want to mess with that flow now that we've kind of started to gel and really make things work uh I would love to in the future get more input but it's also me just paying attention to the stuff that you guys post like I read I know. Again, we're not supposed to read the comments, but I go on Reddit. I go on the Facebook post. I look at the YouTube comments. I pay attention to what you guys are saying. Like, I, I'll be
1: honest. I'm always lurking, <laughs> as any as anybody on the internet who creates content
2: should. Yep. <laughs> Dragon Seventeen, Roca Mike. It's spectacular. Would be fun even if Mike has to defend as well. Those two can make a lot of fireworks. Uh, another Bateman rematch would be great too absolutely uh somebody would you ever consider uh box office questions no god no that's some of my favorite trivia but it doesn't seem like it fits the current information set but something like top grocers from each year or all time i think would add an interesting branch of knowledge uh can i just say that it would really take all the fun out of studying for me just another imdb thing to memorize like i'll just just say that off the top Well, I mean, look, we've used
3: questions in the past where I think it was Dan got that Blair Witch question where we referenced how much it had made and, like, become, like, the first found footage movie to make so much money, but it was context to the question. It wasn't us asking the question. I don't want to get into that. It becomes too messy very easily.
2: Fair. Yeah, I feel like we already have enough trouble with, like, release dates with, you know, foreign and domestic. Like, I feel like... Box office numbers are always stuff. different. Like, oh, like this made this much domestic, but it made, you know, this much internationally. It's like, okay, cool. I I wanna, I want. just saw ASG said box office is, in my opinion, more
3: relevant than Oscars. I could not disagree more. Like people really pay attention to that stuff. Like Oscars do really, really matter. And that's why we use it. Like I'd, it's such an easy gauge of stuff because people in this space are going to pay attention to that. Um, box office yeah. is fine, but that's a totally different thing and it becomes a lot more arbitrary versus something very specific like the Oscars
2: and Parasite's biggest weekend was the weekend after it won best picture. So, yeah. Uh, but go ahead. Uh, that is it. Let me refresh one more time and we are good. Cool. Um, yeah, I think I agree
1: with you guys. I don't think I don't think adding more things to just read about in the schmodown is going to make the game necessarily better. I think there there should be probably more of a shift as we go forward towards rewarding uh, people who watch movies, uh, and and not even necessarily that, but people who I think invest time into creating content or having conversations about movies that are distinctly relevant culturally, like that right. continue to be exist in the zeitgeist I, that, that I was saying this to see the other day, PJ, but I think like some of the, some of the really cool categories that got added this year are like double edged swords because it's really interesting and really fun to be able to talk about the best Jimmy Stewart movies or like right. the really great Jackie Chan movies or something like that. But if you get into the stuff that's like hardly available in the States and has like a really weird release date by Jackie Chan that like no one, you know, has ever seen. And it's even hard to find it's, it's, you're not really going to watch those movies. You're just going to try to be aware of them to answer questions about them. It's the same with you know old Stewart or old Capper movies. And so I think on some level, there's a, there's like, there is a part of this that I think is better. If the movies that are getting asked about are ones that you would naturally have a, you know, some awareness of, I think it's sure. what makes knowing about movies more fun. It's not really fun to get pantsed in public on something that you didn't really realize was happening, you know?
3: No, totally. And I think, that's something I've always tried to take into account and it's something that the team and I have worked so hard on again like even on just trying to make the five pointers a little more gettable I know that people don't necessarily love that we've done that but I don't like people getting hosed at the end of a match either it's 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 not fun and I've watched it happen like people forget we're all friends too like I care about all of you and so when I see you guys when that happens I feel bad like I would actually genuinely feel bad you and I have had long conversations about things like that. So I take that type of stuff into consideration now.
1: So when you're looking at the categories for next year and you're thinking about stuff that you want to add or, or take away, um, any 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 pointers you can give us for now? Any slices that you think for sure are going to be leaving or necessarily that you are sure will make it? So I'll say this. There's going to be some evolution
3: of stuff that is already on the wheel that I really like that I think is time for new ways to look at it. There's also going to be more combinations of things matt and ben is a really fun slice and i decided something like paul newman and robert redford is more exciting as one as one slice than it is as two we're going to be doing a lot more things like that um we're looking at doing families so these sheens are going to have one slice it'll be Emilio martin and um charlie things like that'll be really cool adam sandler is going to become adam sandler and happy madison because i want to expand out to the stuff that all of them are doing that will include the stuff they're doing on Netflix because that stuff is zeitgeist. People are watching those movies so frequently. Like, there's a reason Netflix keeps re upping with Sandler. So, we need to be able to keep up with that. So, things like that, Fast and the Furious is going to become a slice. Um, I think you're going to make me figure- watch Ridiculous Six. I hate you. Uh, you love me. But, yes. Um, but, things like that are going to be really important. I think that we need to be playing to the zeitgeist sometimes um there's going to be a couple of things that are added into ig as well not changing slices but some more movies that i thought got overlooked things like tron and pacific rim um you're going to see more things like that the maze runner and hunger games things that fit those are going to become a part of it and i think that that's what's really exciting is now that we kind of took a hammer to a lot of stuff last season we added a lot i think by making some of the smaller slices a little more broad will be more interesting because we can have a little more fun with it while also just fine-tuning things that i think could be a little bit better
1: awesome um before we get into a conversation about any slices that might get retired i want to take a quick second remind everybody here next weekend we're going to new york you're going to new york the SchmodonLive.com. get your tickets it's gonna be griffin newman versus josh Horowitz, as well as a big time title match, Marisol McKee versus Chance Ellison. Gonna be an awesome, awesome doubleheader. I can't wait. I'm gonna be there. A lot of us are gonna be there. I'm really looking forward to this weekend. It'll be the first uh, live Schmodown event that we've done since 2020 in February, which is crazy uh so wild man yeah it's been a long long time so if anybody who's considering it and hasn't already gotten your tickets get your tickets it's going to be awesome the other thing i want to do a quick shout out for as many of you know i start a tour i'm leaving uh los angeles and going on the road in four weeks i leave four weeks from tomorrow uh it's going to be an amazing experience i can't wait i have a full ep coming out in december and i'm playing 11 dates across the country ben goddard's gonna be with me on the first three we're gonna be hitting uh austin orlando and Denver for the first three dates so if you haven't got your tickets yet for that go to benbateman2021tour.com
2: that is how you get your tickets I'll put the link here in the chat as well um we got so PJ, a PJ we got a yeah. quick super chat here that I missed yes. uh, P, uh from Rashad PJ have you considered adding more obscure slices to Star Wars wheel as suggested by Harper rather than all the movies as a whole
3: um yes there's gonna have to be changes to Star Wars next season um I'm not sure exactly what it all is gonna entail. Like, I still also think internally adding things like the Mandalorian is gonna have to happen, Um, but that's a bigger conversation that has to be had with Christian and everyone else to get everyone on board because it's gonna take a lot of time. I mean, Star Wars has been stagnant for a little while. Like, We're doing what we can to make it interesting, but I'm excited to try to expand it out in the same way we did with IG. I think that taking a hammer to things sometimes bears the most interesting results. So any slices that you are distinctly considering getting rid of? Um, Some of the ones that I'm looking at this season, disaster, war, um, things like that that have been broad and have been mined to death and can also be used in other places are the things that we're looking at to try to get rid of just because it becomes a little monotonous. Again, Catherine Bigelow, Judd Apatow, we're going to retire him. Um, things like that, because we can find other ways to use the questions and still give them a chance to shine. Um, one of the ones that we're floating and I, I want to get permission for, there's three slices we want to do. One is the Rat Pack in all their movies, oh. the Brat Pack in their films, and the Frat Pack in their films. Uh-huh. So all three of those could be fun and interesting, and it gives us good ways to, instead of giving someone like Stiller his own slice, what if we found a way to combine all of it, like put it into this one thing. And so that's kind of what we're looking at while retiring guys like Apatow, where we can still use those questions in something else. Like different category. Yeah. So I kind of love that. And that's the stuff we're looking at because it's okay to look at things and be like, maybe we retire this one, but also evolve it. Um, Tarantino is going to be retired, but then put together with Robert Rodriguez because Ah. their filmographies are very clear Ridley Scott is also going to be retired but we're going to make it the Scots and it's going to be him and Tony oh, sweet which I love um we're going to do mu- musicians in film is another one we have our eyes on and then SNL is going to be retired but evolved into SNL and Lauren Michaels so it'll be all the SNL films plus the stuff that Lauren had produced outside of it like Tommy Boy Baby Mama like things that people kind of already assumed were SNL based because Lauren was involved yeah and in just yeah. finding a way to bring those into it and then ellis actually pitched both of these and there's going to be an snl the first five-year alum slice and sctv alum slice
1: huh sct sctv alum
3: yeah yeah so
1: it would be you know
3: rick Moranish, john candy eugene huh. levy um all the people who came from sctv who were
1: very popular it would just be kind of fun to give them a space to do that cool wow i did not think we were gonna get this much information on the show today guys this is huge scoops it sounds like who knows can- what will get uh, actually confirmed, obviously. I know there's a lot of uh, red tape in front of getting anything approved, but I know it sounds awesome that you have some great ideas, and hopefully we get to see a lot of that stuff in the movie trivia showdown. Dwayne, I love like your a- idea. Sorry to cut you off. Dwayne put In <laughs> Living Color Loom is
3: actually not bad. I like that a lot.
1: Yeah, that's fun. I mean, the more the more broad but focused the slices get where it's like, you know, you can study this, but there's 140 movies right? Like that's, that's, yeah. I think where it gets interesting because then you have to just have more of an awareness and actually getting the wheel ahead of time, even no matter how far ahead of time you get it, it won't make that much of a difference because you can't do that much of a deep dive if you're getting into 70, 80, hundred movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that should be really interesting. Well, that's awesome. Uh, guys, the big, big time scoops on the show today. If you want to support what we're doing here at the Movie Trivia Schmodown, go to patreon.com slash schmodown. If you're a patron at the $10 tier, you guys get access to all the matches, all the pay-per-views early. Get them on Friday instead of the Monday. They drop publicly. You guys, uh, you, you get first access to every all kinds of stuff, exhibition matches. So get excited. Go to patreon.com slash schmodown. I think that's going to
2: pretty much wrap up the show, Goddard, unless we have anything else that you wanted to get to here. Oh, one last one. The PJ Camel Network Twitch channel hasn't gone live since March. Is it officially retired?
3: Um, No, there will be stuff that comes back. I just, I am deep into the season. We got tournaments all going all the time. So I'm always working. Like I felt bad. Ben had messaged me last night and I didn't get back to him right away because I'm just not paying attention to my phone. I was busy working. And so when things calm down, yes, it'll come back. It's just there's a lot going
1: on the last thing i want to mention actually really quickly is you, you mentioned the frat pack it's actually kind of a serendipitous it's funny we drew and i just started a podcast called the best and the worst and it's a whole right. it's a whole show where we talk actors actresses directors franchises we establish based on reviews opinions all kinds of different qualifiers what the best movie and the worst movie someone has is and it's a full-on podcast available on spotify and apple but we just did zoolander for the 20th anniversary it dropped this morning it's the Zoolander 20th anniversary. And the question is the best and the worst of Will Ferrell. And it's really interesting. The frat pack didn't exist yet, it, but right. there a lot of them are in the movie, right? You got Stiller, you got Ferrell, you got Owen Wilson, you even have Vince Vaughn, the minds. Yeah. You have With no dialogue. <laughs> yeah, you have a lot of those people in that movie, but it was really old school in 03 that really made the frat pack, the frat pack. You know, cause because I know there are some, there are some people who are in each other's movies in, in like the Wes Anderson crew, but like mm-hmm. those movies don't feel like frat pack movies. Really? It's totally, it's, it's the like man child. Uh, it's like the man child stuff that starts to happen in the mid two thousands. That's that group. But it was fascinating watching Zoolander because it's like, wow, Will Ferrell wasn't really a famous movie star yet. It was Oh yeah. three that made him famous. In know, one, that was like Mugatsu like a breakout role for him. Yeah, because, I mean, right around that time, like, you also have, what, Night at the Roxbury,
3: just before that as well. Like, he's still doing SNL-type stuff, and he's not... Superstar? Yeah. Superstar, yeah, he's on SNL for all those movies. And he hasn't popped off, and then Old School comes out, and everything changes. Like, right around that time, everything changes. And so that's why I was so excited. I love that you guys just watched Zoolander. Also, you brought up Wes Anderson. Um, We are retiring PTA, but it's going to be combined. It's going to be called The Andersons, and it's going to be Wes and PTA
1: nice that's fantastic that that that'll sense. be that'll be really really fun i, I love both directors and I, I love their stuff so that'll be great but yeah it, it's, it's a it's is
2: paul ws anderson in that one as well well the rest of, <laughs> well i need to watch all the resident evils and mortal kombat I mean, again? in combat baby you know now that you brought it up ben i know let me go <laughs> let me go watch monster hunter
1: real quick <laughs> Um, But yeah, I think that's going to pretty much wrap it up, guys. Check out that podcast, The Best and the Worst. It's available now. You guys can see I just tweeted about it. It's on Apple. It's on Spotify. Just look it up. The Best and the Worst, you'll find it. Uh, The the, the episodes go up on audio a week before they go up on video. So otherwise, PJ, thanks for coming on the show today. We appreciate everybody watching today. And we'll see you guys same time, same place next week as we get ready to head off to New York. Actually, got Josh Horowitz confirmed for next week's show. So, we'll be able to talk to uh, Josh a little about uh, his approach. Oh, to
2: interviewing the interviewer. Yeah, Let's exactly. see how good you do, Ben. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, take care. Bye, guys.
0: Chance was locked in, and Chance is the number one contender.
3: And I'm glad that the Schmodown is coming to us to let us both play home field again in the city that we know.
2: My hometown, I, I'm used to public events. It'd be great to have that live atmosphere. Sure, bring it on, let's do
3: it. I genuinely relish the opportunity. I'm going back to stage, it made me great. Won the first singles match on that very stage. And now I'm going to my first singles belt on that stage. Chance is on fire. He's one of absolutely the best players in this game.
2: And we're going to scrap in New York. Be there to see Marisol McKee attempt to defend that title. She's got to beat Chance Ellison to do it.